Welcome to the Life is Hard, God is Good podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Larson. It's been a while. Our internet was not working well for a bit. Like, sending a 30-second video took hours, so uploading a podcast episode was pretty rough. We were also busy with some visitors that came to Japan. I started a new job. So there was a bit of a break on the podcast, but thank you for being here and for listening. We're continuing with the new creation series. Those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. So we're hearing from people who were once one way, but they encountered the deep transformative love of Jesus and now they are forever changed. Today, you'll be hearing from Matt Rosenbaum, who we call Rosie. He's a dear friend of my husband and mine. It's been cool, even in the short time that I've known him, to see growth and transformation still that he's had with his walk with Jesus. Rosie wants to give a warning to you that it's a bit of a rabbit hole. There's a lot that's going to come at you, but that even in this not linear storyline, you will see how Jesus has made a difference in his life. I also want to give you a twofold warning. One is a trigger warning in regards to sexual assault and suicide. His story does end on a positive note and there's hope, but if it's more harmful for you than helpful to hear this content, I just want to give you a heads up. And two, Rosie's story is really impactful, so be ready to laugh and maybe grab some tissues and let's dive in. So today on the podcast, we have a very special guest. He's a good friend of both Drew and I. Um, he actually has known Drew for a very long time and was in our wedding and is just like a very, really more like family than friend, I think. Um, is a very big supporter big encourager and um, a very loyal friend and it's an honor to have him on the podcast today um, and well I say Rosie which makes it <laughs> yes your name is Matt Rosenbaum but we call you Rosie so <laughs> just to clear that up but um, yeah thanks for being on the podcast today it's such an honor to have you here it's fun to get to talk to you and as you know like I started listening to your podcast before I even met you because Drew was like, Rachel has a podcast. And I was like, well, I want to get to know this Rachel character. I want to make sure she's good. <laughs> and like, even before I met you, like I was already a fan because you were so vulnerable and honest. And like, I felt like that first time I met you, which was then like a week and a half later at Thanksgiving, like, or just after Thanksgiving at cookie making day, like, I already knew you because of being able to listen to your podcast. So it's really neat to kind of like full circle and get to be on the podcast too. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like where you're from, what you like to do? Yeah. Yeah, no. So I'm from uh, the Chicagoland area um, and I'm a huge Bears fan and Cubs fan. Love fantasy football. Uh, I might have Rachel's husband, Drew, in probably more leagues than Rachel wants Drew to be in. <laughs> so cool about that, Rachel. And I, I, I love, this is one of the reasons I love fantasy football. Just totally sidetracking. I didn't, like, plan for this, but I'm going to fantasy football plug for a second, too. Well, Jesus plug for a lot, but fantasy football plug first. Um, most of that group has been together for seven, eight years now, and it's all old youth group kids that are now all adults. And we're still connected through this game of fake football. Like, <laughs> like it's yeah. so cool to be able. And then when you think Drew's in Japan, you have other people. Like, someone was in Hawaii, but now lives in Seattle. You have people in North Carolina and, like, just all over the country in this league. It's just neat that we're all able to get together and still 
like have this reason to be friends and connect together still. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so fantasy football is a big one, and then I'm also a teacher, and uh, and then I volunteer in uh, youth ministries with high school youth ministries being my favorite, but I dabble in some middle school youth ministries as well, but definitely high school youth ministries is my favorite to work with. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you work with kids a lot, and it's cool to see yeah. the impact that you make in their lives. Like, you invest a lot in them, and it's really cool to see that. Yeah, it's it's super neat. It's neat, and it's neat to be able to teach some kids and then have them in youth group and see that growth of who they are as people and then see them, especially when they come to realize who they are in Christ and that Christ is their identity. That is the coolest thing in the world, and I've gotten to see over the last couple of years a number of my students get baptized mm. um, and choose to acknowledge in public that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. And that's been one of the coolest things, especially when I think of the fact that I taught some of them going back to when they were 9, 10 years old. Yeah, that's so cool. Amazing. Yeah. Ah, sweet. So let's hear a little bit more about your story and how Jesus has impacted you could you tell us about what your life was like before you knew Jesus? Yeah. So, well, I got, I'll start off kind of at the beginning. Like, I didn't know, like, anything. Like, truly and dearly, I had no clue. Like, if, if my mom got – and my dad – so my dad's Jewish. So, like – and he's, he's non-practicing Jewish. In fact, he doesn't even like synagogue or anything like that. He was like, religion's not for me. Uh, he had a rabbi that told him, good little Jewish boys can't play sports. So he was out. So he told my mom, you're on the religion. I'm out. <laughs> so if, so my mom was like, well, we're, like, I grew up Christian, so we're Christian. And literally, if we made it, we weren't even priesters, Rachel. Like, priester being, like, someone who made it Christmas and Easter. Most years, we didn't even make it to Christmas and Easter. Like, if we were a priester, that was huge growing up. That was, like, mm-hmm. success in the Rosenbaum household. Um, most years... We didn't get to Christmas or Easter at all. And so, like, I didn't have this understanding of what even a relationship with Jesus looked like for the longest time. Like, that's, and that's something to, still to this day that as I grow in my faith, that's something that I'm still learning that that relationship with Jesus is so key and it has to be there. And sometimes it's my former students and my youth group kids that I end up seeing how much they're pouring into it and that goes I I want to get into that too but mm. so like they encourage me so often probably more than they even realize but so yeah growing up I wasn't um I, I didn't know I didn't know what I didn't know and my grandparents who were Christians um nanny and papa when I was going into eighth grade they told my mom he has to go to confirmation class just one year and I remember my mom saying, it's just one year, one year of confirmation class. That's it. That's all you have to do is one year. I said, okay, I can, I can do one year. And that happened to be the point where the church that I grew up going to, the only church I knew at this point, um, they had hired a brand new youth pastor. And so we go for the first night, and he's in charge of the confirmation program, and he has an earring and plays guitar. And I was blown away, and I was like, wait. You can be a Christian, wear an earring, and play guitar? Is that really a thing? Oh, my gosh. And he had a little bit of longer hair, too. And I was like, what? There's no way. I thought Christians always had to play organs and be funny duddies. <laughs> <laughs> like, not even joking. Uh, and so 
my mom's like, no, Christian's coming all shapes and forms, honey. <laughs> so, like, right away, like, I was interested, and I think this guy, he, he like, like he really he saw that I didn't know what I didn't know. I think he he understood that, and he really poured into me um, that eighth grade year and really made some strong connections. And I kind of looked at him as like an older brother. Mm-hmm. Like this youth pastor, he was brand new, and I really looked at him as an older brother figure in my life, and totally loved him. When that year of confirmation was done, we sat down and we wrote our confirmation letters. And what's actually crazy is I found the letter I wrote when we moved uh, about two, three years ago to the, to this new house that I now live in, I found that letter <laughs> and I read it. And to show you how committed I was to, like, it starts off with, um, it starts off with, I know we're supposed to write about our, like, our beliefs in God, but I first have to start off with, the Cubs are 0-14. Why are the Cubs doing this? Like, God, oh my do, you gosh. Know, like, Cubs, do you care about the Cubs? <laughs> I start my first, like, two paragraphs writing about the Cubs. And then I go, I won't continue on. Now I'll get into my faith. And I said, I, we were told to say that we believe in God, and we believe in the Holy Spirit, and we believe in Jesus. And so I want to say that I do, and that I want to be confirmed, and I want to be a member of the church. But I had no idea what any of that meant, Rachel. Wow. I had no idea what any of that meant. What I thought it meant was I never had to go back to church again. Mm. So that's why I was writing it out. I wasn't writing it out because I believed any of that. I wasn't writing it out because I wanted a relationship with Jesus. I was writing it out because I thought it meant I would be done with church. So I submitted it. I got confirmed. They asked me those questions. I said yes in at church, and that was me getting confirmed. And I thought I was done. Mm. God had some other ideas, though. <laughs> God had some other ideas because God would find a way to use tragedy to bring me to him. And that tragedy hit on October 15th of 1997. And I was on the football team and I'm a freshman uh, on the football team. And after practice, all of the, all the coaches would go out and watch the varsity football players finish their practice. Freshman got released first. And so I'm in the locker room, and I'm starting to change, and I get thrown to the ground by some of my teammates. My clothes are ripped off, and I'm sexually assaulted by my teammates. Mm. And, like, it was so hard um, because I didn't know how to, like, I didn't know how to react, and I didn't mm. want anyone knowing about it because my first, my first instinct was shame and embarrassment that that even had happened to me. And so I stayed quiet. I didn't share with anyone. Um, and it was something though that like, I, like my, my family didn't know anyone outside of the school didn't know, but what really stunk Rachel is in between like October and February, there are staff members that know about it. Like I had teachers that knew this had happened. They didn't say anything about it. I had coaches really? that knew this. Mm-hmm. I had coaches, they, they made fun of it. In fact, they would, they would openly joke about how like oh. this had happened in the locker room. They thought it was funny and just boys being boys. Um, and so like this depression gets bigger and bigger because I haven't told anyone and I'm constantly, whether it's like, like literally teachers or coaches and then also kids, like I'm constantly getting made fun of throughout this entire process. And so that was like super hard for me. Yeah. Yeah, and it got to the point where it's uh, it was Friday, February 13th, 1998, and I 
I'm still on the football team. We're in like off season workouts and I'm in the locker room and I hear some of the, the kids talking about, let's do it. Let's do it again. I didn't know if they were talking about doing it to me, doing it to someone else. I had no idea, but I knew I wanted no part of it. <clears throat> so I went to the head football coach at the time and I said, Hey, I'm going to quit. And he said, why are you quitting? And I told him, I, he was the first adult that I opened up to. And I told him why I'm quitting. And he looked at me and he said, you're a terrible teammate for giving up on your teammates like that. He goes, no. This is boys, mm-hmm. this oh is boys being boys and nothing more than that. And so all these feelings of depression and wanting to kill myself are like just mm. multiplied. And so my plan was to go home that night and end my life. That was my plan. Mm. And once again, I'm talking to you guys, and it's not 1998 anymore. God had different plans in store. So I get home, and I had no idea how I was going to do it. I just knew that I wanted to do it. Like, that's where I was at. Mm. So <clears throat> I get home, and there's a – this is back in the day. Rachel, you might even not – you might not even be old enough to remember this. But this is back in the day like when red lights beeped on the house phones. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, there's a red light beeping there, so I go to check it, and it's the youth pastor, who I haven't seen since, like, probably June, July, okay? So it's the youth pastor, and he's calling out of the blue. Hey, Matt, we missed you at church. We have a soda machine here in the church. Was wondering if you would make a Sam's Club run with me, and then maybe you could take over running the soda machine. I don't have enough time to stock it every week. Maybe you could stock it. You could come to youth group and you could do it either before or after youth group ends. It'd be so good to see you there. It'd be awesome. Why don't you come and help me make the Sam's Club run? I would really appreciate it. It'd be great to talk. And so he said, call me back at the church. And he gave me the church's number. What? So, uh-huh. And yeah, like, and, and I don't, I don't know, don't know why, but I did. I picked up the phone and I called and I got on the phone and the youth pastor was like, Hey, how's it going? I said, let's do that Sam's Club run. He goes, okay, I'll come pick you up. Aww. So I write a note. I write a note, put it on the chair because this is before cell phones too. <laughs> <laughs> or let me rephrase that. It's before kids had cell phones. Mm. My dad very much had a cell phone and so did my mom. But this is before kids had it. So I was just used to the whole write it out, leave it, leave it on chair, and they'd know what you were doing. So, well, my youth pastor came and picked me up, and um, we ended up driving to Sam's Club, and it's on the way to Sam's Club, he becomes the second adult I tell, and I have fear. I'm afraid he's going to react the same way the coach did. He couldn't have reacted any differently. Um, He looked at me, he said, he goes, if you don't mind, I'm going to be silent because I just want to pray about how to respond. He goes... He goes, my heart breaks for you, but I don't know exactly what to say, and I want God to give me the words to say to you right Mm -hmm. now. So why don't we get the soda pop, let's load it back in the car, and give me a couple minutes to just kind of pray. And so I'm thinking, oh, great. Like, what's he going to say? Da-da-da, right? So we get all the soda pop, and we load it back into the car, and we back out, and he looks at me, and he goes, just out of curiosity, do you think God allowed this to happen? And here I am. I'm like, I'm a freshman. I don't have that relationship with Christ. And I tell him, kind of, yeah. And he goes, well, let me tell you, that's not how this works. He goes, 
God didn't allow anything to happen. God wasn't a part of that. What's happening is God's heart's breaking for you. And if you realize it or not, he's walking through you with this and most likely carrying you through this. Mm. He goes, what happened was sin in this world. That's what caused it. And God is now literally carrying you through all of this. And he wants you to draw near to him. And he wants you to know him. And I think that would be something that maybe you should really work on exploring. And I think you could do that by coming to youth group and coming to church a little more. And I can tell you, God wants that for you. Like he wants that relationship with you. He wants you to find that relationship. He wants you to know who he is and he wants you to just rest in him and let him take all this burden from you. And I was like, Oh, very different than what. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, I was like, okay, I can do that. Right. And I'm like blown away that it's a very different reaction than what my first reaction was. Right. And so then he asked me, he says, have you talked to your parents and do your parents know? And I said, no, I haven't told my parents. Um, and keep in mind, this is October to February. Like that's a, it's a good chunk of time. And so I hadn't told my family, my family had no idea. I'd worked hard to make sure they never knew about this. And so he said, well, I'm going to give you two options. Option one when I drop you off, we walk into the house together and you tell your family with me there or option two, you live five minutes away from the church. I'm going to give you 20 minutes to tell your parents. And if I don't hear from your parents in a phone call with you on the phone that you've told them that I'm coming back to your house and we're telling them together. Those are your two options. So I said, I'll, I'll, I'll take the option of, of them calling you I'll tell them on my own we'll call you in 20 minutes and so I go into the house and I sit down and I just tell my parents everything and so my mom and dad call uh, the youth pastor up and they talk and I'm on the phone and that's where he says listen I want Matt coming on church on Sunday mornings I want him coming to youth group Sunday nights I think this will be really really good for him and I'm going to be there to walk with you guys through this and he was awesome and he was like literally someone who was he was probably the first person to ever really shine like christ to me Mm. and i was captivated by him when i first met him there was something different about him and like i got to see this as he walked with me and he walked with me through this whole experience right and so that's what i started doing is i started going to youth group and it was in youth group that that's where I finally met Jesus. And I'll never forget the lesson. It's later on my junior year. And what's really neat is where I do youth ministries now, I got to teach that very same lesson a year and a half ago. Maybe two years ago. Two years ago now. I got to teach that very same lesson two years ago that led me to Christ. Oh, my gosh. What was the lesson? Okay, so... So our youth pastor had a really trusted mom who was like his go-to mom as a volunteer. And she's someone that to this day is a a really close, like, I grew up with her daughter. I grew up with with her one daughter, her other daughter, her older daughter, um, who has since passed, actually, is the one that encouraged me to get baptized in college. Um, And then I'm friends with her younger daughter. It's three daughters, right? And so the middle daughter and I, though, have we we've been friends for years and years and years and we're super close and the mom's teaching this lesson to us and it's there's a there's tape on there's tape on the tile and then there's about a five foot gap 
maybe less and tape on the second part and then we had to jump the gap we had to jump the gap if we jumped the gap we got a king size like a king size snickers bar okay and who doesn't want a king size snicker bar and she said you can run standing jump i don't care you can do it and so i took a running jump and we're in the youth lounge and i i run and i clear that jump and she pushes me i'll never forget she she's not a violent person at all she pushes me and she goes you're in hell your pride put you there because i was like i got the candy bar she pushes me you didn't get the candy bar you're in hell pride put you there uh-huh that's she 100 percent did that right and no one made it on the jump Nobody made on the jump. We all fell short for one reason or another. Whether so the jump pushed. is supposed to represent, like, making Getting it to heaven? heaven. Oh, okay, okay. Getting into heaven. None of us made that jump. Wow. So then she laid down a cross. Said, now walk across the cross. And there was a wooden cross that covered the entire gap. And we walked across the wooden cross. And we got to the other side. And she said, here's your fun size Snickers bar. Welcome to heaven. And she goes, you didn't do it on your own. You did it because of the death of Jesus. You did it because Jesus conquered death. He rose from the grave and he is in heaven. and He is your Lord and Savior. And that's why you were able to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget. Like that was the, like, it just all, it all clicked. Mm-hmm. It all clicked. I remember like, like in that moment, I remember just being like, like, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. God, you are my Lord and Savior. I accept who you are in my life. And I and I, I, I didn't know what else to do, but that was what I said in my heart. And that's where, like, I really wanted to know more and learn more. And so, but I just didn't have all the pieces together. But that was kind of the start of that. For wow. Me. Yeah. That's so cool. that was, like, super cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then to get to do that with my middle schoolers, like, two years ago is, like, super amazing. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. But so that was the start of me realizing that. Mm. Um, And then, like, I just have been continuing to grow from there. Um, I think one of the most crucial points was when Drew and – so – I, I continue on with college. I ended up getting baptized in college. Almost became the first unconscious bloody baptism in, in college. I'm sorry? I, have I not told you the story? I don't think so. Okay, so the person who baptized me is like five foot two and like total lightweight. Like, and five foot two might even be like tall for this person. Okay. Like she's, she's a super close good friend. We go, we, we're in youth group together. It's this other youth leader's daughter that I've told you about. We're in the same grade. And I started Bethel College, and she had, I was miserable at Bethel in St. Paul, Minnesota. And she ends up saying, come to Eastern Illinois. There's a great group here. Come come, hang, come be with me at Eastern. You, you already have me as a friend here. You know someone. You're going to love it. And, so, and then her older sister was like, after hearing like where I was and seeing where I was, she was like, you should get baptized. And this friend of mine was also my Bible study leader, too. And I was like, will you? be the one that baptizes me because she had gotten baptized the semester before and she's like I'll do that absolutely so I've known this person forever we've gone on mission trips together we've gone on retreats together we like her mom was the first person that really led me to Christ and she's five foot two is tall for her like she's small she's small she's just small right so I fold my arms across my chest and I just fall back and I'm 
just so your listeners have an idea, I'm not a small guy. Like, like I'm like at this time, I'm probably pushing about 300 pounds at this point. Okay, so like I'm not a small guy, and so I just trust fall back into her, oh, and no. I let her dump me under the water because once, like, I grew up a swimmer. Water doesn't concern me. I trust this person. There's nothing to worry about. Well, she barely catches my head because she didn't think I would come back that quick and that fast. She barely catches my head right before it hits the edge of the tank or the well, the pool. And like my head misses literally by like that much. And so I wow. have no idea this whole time. So when I pop out of the water and I put my glasses back on, all I see are mouths that are like, uh, and they're like <laughs> gaping. They're literally like open. And like usually people applaud after this, like what's going on? And so, like, I'm clearly confused. And the pastor at, uh, at Campus House, he looks at me and he goes, well, that was a close call. You missed the, the side of the pool by uh, probably less than an inch there. Caught you. However, we knew where your heart was from your testimony. I still would have let her go through with the baptism, and then we would have worked on patching up your head from all the blood that you would have lost. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so that's how... Like, that's kind of how my story ended up leading yeah. to Christ. But one of the big moments leading to that is um, after volunteering with the youth group, Drew and I, over years, like, I had Drew starting in sixth grade, my first year out of college, and I followed Drew's class all the way up to they were seniors in high school. By the time Drew was a senior in high school, he was, like, he was literally like a brother. He was like a brother to me. Um, and especially after like that trip to Triennium, like I, I, I really going in, we had this trip called Triennium that we went on and I really struggled, uh, going in Triennium. My best friend at the time had, um, just stopped talking to me completely. And the night before Triennium, I would be, I had put that friendship as an idol, mm. um, above God. And, um, that night before trying him, I was going to go to his house and kill myself and leave my, like, I was, I had planned mm. to open the garage and put my car in the garage, hook a hose up to my car, run the car, and just take myself all out and let him find me the next morning there because he was on 24-7 shifts, right? And when I went to punch in his garage code, it didn't work. Wow. Found out later that he never changed his garage code and his garage worked perfectly fine the next morning but in that moment it did not work once again god had other plans so i go on this trip to trianium right mm -hmm. go on this trip to trianium and i'm like i'm at my lowest and drew and drew's brother and drew's best friend i think they saw that hurt in me and they liked me already as a youth leader and they let me tag along with them everywhere on this trip. And, like, they went from just being youth to being people that, like, lifted me up in this moment where I was really hurting. And they became like brothers to me. And to this day are like brothers to me. Mm. Um, but in 2017, Drew had a really crucial talk with me, and he called me out on some stuff. And he said, I don't know if you're going to want to be my friend anymore, but I have to tell you like some any any shout out some really hard truths to me and I I'll never forget tears like streaming down my face because I knew what he was saying was a hundred percent right and he was calling me out because I didn't have that true relationship with Christ mm. and Drew had figured it out like I still hadn't figured this whole thing out and Drew was calling me out on it a little bit and I knew he was right and 
it was at that moment that I started getting more and more serious about a relationship with Christ and not just brushing it off. Um, and I think part of the reason Drew got so serious about it is Drew got out of that church that we both only had known, and he started learning about what a real, like what a real relationship looked like with Christ at, at college. Mm. And he called, he called us on, he called a number of us out on it. Um, but our church that Drew and I grew up at never talked about a relationship with Jesus. We never heard about who Jesus was at that church. Mm. And so, like, when Drew was saying that, it just all made sense and started clicking. And that was kind of the start of my journey of really getting serious about it. Not just saying the words, Christ is my Lord and Savior, but actually, like, starting to grow in that relationship mm. with Christ and to where I am now today. Yeah, that's amazing. It kind of reminds me of, maybe it feels different for you, but in my mind, it's like a connection with, like, what you're talking about when... Um, you were doing the confirmation class and you had to like yeah. say all these things. You were like, you started out with the Cubs, but then you were like, okay, I have to say that I believe in God. I believe in this. I believe in that so that I could like pass this class. And it sounds like yeah. you did have a heart change and you were saved like after that lesson in youth group and like the, yeah. you got the king size candy bar because Jesus got you across. Oh, no, no, no. We only got fun size candy bars for everyone. It was only king size that we did it on ourselves and only Jesus could do it on himself. So only Jesus got the king size bar. <laughs> Everyone else got fun size because we had to we had to use Jesus to, to we had to use Jesus. We didn't get there on our own. What? I think it was basically the church didn't have money to get everyone kicked. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> I mean, youth ministries budgets are only so big, Rachel. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But in real life, Jesus gives you the king size. Like he, he does, you don't yeah. get a fun size life with Jesus. No. But anyway, but that was like the heart change for you is like, and that's when yeah. you realize that, okay, Jesus is the one who saves me and you were baptized and you still had all this growth, but it was still, so what was different than I guess with like what Drew was saying about the relationship part? Is it more of a, even more it, of a it heart? Me. Yeah. It me. Like that was that conviction part. Mm. It was that conviction part where like I was caught in, my heart was telling me, my heart was telling me from what I was hearing in church that not everything's connecting. Like, this isn't the right spot. Not everything's connecting. There's, like, this This isn't a church that is pushing you towards a relationship with Christ in general. Mm. And Drew said that, and there was just tons of conviction that I have to do more than just going on Sunday. I have to do more than just listening to a song or two on, like, than listening to Caleb. Because for a while, I got, like, when I started going back to that church, I just got caught into the motions of, well, this is what they're telling me is okay to do. But mm. I knew in my heart it wasn't. Mm. I knew that whole time, like, I should be doing more, but I didn't know exactly what more looked like. Mm. Because I didn't have those, like, with my parents not being Christians, I didn't have the models showing me what it should look like. And so, like, I was like, okay, well, the church says, and now here's the other thing. I had people that were also telling me this youth pastor had left the church and was at another church. And at that same church that he left to go to, so was the lady that taught me the lesson, um, that, that taught that lesson, and her whole family was at this other church. And they kept telling me, your church is dead. Like, this like the one that you in, grew up in? Like that one? The one they I left that one the and one go I, to a different yeah, one? Yeah, they were okay. telling me, You're, like, come, come, to, come to our church. They threw me so many lifelines, and they would have been those models for me, but I was stubborn. Mm. I didn't want to go. I wanted to stay at the only church I'd ever known because I'd never, 
left the church, and I had so many people that I knew at that church, Drew and his family, so many other families that I'd known since I had grown up. I just, I didn't know what to do. And even after Drew told me that and convicted me of that, it would take another three years before I finally Mm. ended the relationship with the church, with that church, and knew I had to move on. Mm. And that was something... That was something that, like, I, I just, when I got to that point of knowing I need to move on, I thought I was, once again, I, I, I was like, I'll figure this out on my own. Like, I thought all churches were wrong at this point, Rachel. Mm. Um, and I think one of the things I'm most glad about is it was January 2020, right before COVID hits, that I wrote this, that I wrote a letter saying I'm never coming back to this church. To, and I sent it to the elders. And I sent it, I copied all the elders, copied the person who, was quote-unquote leading the church. I will not call him a pastor, but he was the leader of the church. And I sent that and said, until he's out, I'm, I'm done. I'm never setting foot in this church again. Mm-hmm. And um, December 2019, though, I had three students in my eighth grade class who said, come and be a youth leader at our church. Come and be a youth leader at our church. Leave, leave your church. Come be a youth leader at our church. And they went to this mega church that... I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it. It's called Willow Creek. Have you ever heard of a Willow Creek? Oh, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they went to Willow Creek, but they went to, the, they went to a, they didn't go to the main campus. They went to one of the other, one of the many other campuses. Okay. And this happened to be a campus close to where I taught. And so even though Willow Creek was not a fit for me, it did what it needed to do. And it got me out of, it got me out of the broken church. And that next summer, August of 21, I found the church that I've now been at that is now my home that I'm serving at that is pushing me every single week. And that's the church that is now my home church. And mm. it's one I love. I, I love that you and Drew have come and actually been there for sermons, like and yeah. heard and seen the heart of this church because it's a little, it's a little church, but boy, there's a lot of people with a lot of heart for Christ there. And like, they're, they're constantly checking up on you. Like, it's, there's no assumption that you're just doing the right thing because you say you're a Christian. Like, you're asked the hard questions there. Are you reading scripture? Are you mm. in the word daily with Christ? Are you in communication and praying? To, like, you need, as a Christian, we need those checks. Yeah, yeah. We need those checks as a Christian. And that, like, I found this new church. And for me, what's even better is I get to be with so many families that I've, seen throughout the years and kids that I've taught and I now get to do walk life and youth group with and I have this whole new group of kids that taught in the classroom that are now in high school or college are becoming my brothers in Christ and it's so cool and so neat to see that growth and that Mm. faith growth and to walk life with them Mm. Um, but Drew sharing those truths with me in 2017 if he doesn't do that I don't know if it leads to this path like, I, I, I'm sure at some point something would have led to that path because I knew in my heart what was happening at that other church was yeah. not, it wasn't a Christ-centered church. It was anything but. So and for people listening who, like, I think there's there's I a know, lot of I, church I, hurt out there, like, right? Like, there's a lot of people who don't know, like, if they should, how to decide, like, what church to go to. Yeah. And I think there's different kinds of church hurt, right? Like, there's some people who are yeah. like, um, oh yeah, they don't play the kind of music that I like or the way that they dress it. Like there's 
preferences, I guess, not really even church right. hurts. And then there's situations that like aren't biblical or like Correct. they're not right. teaching like who Jesus is. So like what were your like things are like without going into specifics, but like <laughs> how did you know that the church that you were at was like, okay, I need to not so be at the this per- church. And how did you person, know that the church that you're at now is the yeah. church that you should be at? So the person who led the church that I used to go to when the all the red flags went up and I'll never forget because Drew, Drew and his family weren't there. I always sat with Drew and his family. For years, I sat with Drew and his family. And so, like, I'm sitting there. It's the most surreal thing when the leader of the church preaches a sermon on, and I, I, I almost direct quote here, Jesus remained on the cross until his body decayed, and then the bones fell into a pit, and he was never put in the grave. He never rose from the dead. And I'm sitting here. My mouth is hanging open. I, I, I have literally anger in my heart. Yeah. Absolutely not. And I'm around going, who else heard this? Who else heard this? And everyone else is just sitting there. No one oh my gosh. is bothered or perturbed by this at all. And I'm just like, and Drew's family isn't there. That was, like, I was like, if Mary or Brian or Drew were here, they'd be at least, they'd have heard this too. And they'd be like, I felt like I was the only one that heard it. So, like, they record all of their sermons online. And so I had Mary and Brian listen to it. And Mary and Brian, who are Drew's parents, they listened to that and they were like, what just happened? Oh my gosh. Because that's like the, the whole, like the reason that we are saved, the reason that we have hope is because Jesus died and Uh rose again. Yep. So for him to not think that Uh and to not preach that Uh to a group of people Uh that he's supposed to be shepherding. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, That's a, no, it's terrible. It's terrible. It was. It's definitely yeah. different than like, oh, it's not my style of church. Or like, I wish we did communion every week or once a month. Right. Like, it's a very right. different. So how, so obviously there were some major issues with the church you were yeah. at. So it was a good thing for you to go to somewhere that was teaching yeah. truth. And you mentioned too, like the accountability yeah. of like people checking in with yeah. you and like, what, what were some things that were like, okay, this is a good. I think one of my favorite things, the pattern. The person who's a pastor at our church now, every single week without fail, his his heart is a hundred percent there when he says this to Rachel. Like I'm, I'm getting teary eyed as I think about. I love my pastor. I love my pastor. And every week he says, "If you do not know Jesus, if you do not know that He is your Lord and Savior, come on down. Let me have a conversation with you. Come and talk. Come on down to this." to this cross that we have come to the foot of this cross right here because we have this big, huge cross at the, at, at the front of our sanctuary. Come on down to this cross and I'll meet with you there and I will talk to you about who Jesus is and our elders will come and they'll follow up with you and we have other members of the congregation that will come and they'll come and pray with you because we want nothing more than for you to know that Jesus died for your sins and we want you to understand what a relationship with Christ looks like and i don't think since i've since in the in the two plus years that i've been there now i don't think there's a sunday that's happened that he's preaching that he has not had a message very similar to that at some point whether it's in the middle the end the beginning doesn't Mm. matter he wants people to know the gospel and he is unashamed Mm. and and the other thing i love too about him is he he says don't just believe what i'm saying check it in the bible Mm. If you find something that it, that I've said that isn't biblically right, call me on it. 
Mm. Come and talk to me about it because I don't want to ever be misrepresenting the one truth that we have, and that's God's word. And that's so when, when you, and this other pastor, the pastor of this, this other church where I met Drew's family and where I met Drew, he would use his intellect and the schools that he went to to keep you from wanting to challenge him and wanting to combat mm-hmm. him. Where this, this pastor at my new church, who I love, I love him dearly, he's an awesome guy, he wants you to call him on it if he's ever saying something that isn't biblically right. And he wants us in our Bibles that much so that we know that we know what truth is and we can call him on it if he ever says something that isn't biblically true. Mm. That's good. Yeah. That's good. So yeah, so that's how I yeah. got to that point. Wow. So, I mean, you have an amazing story, but like, I want to know from what you think, like, what is maybe like the biggest thing that you've noticed that has changed in yourself from yeah. like so before I, you knew him and after? I would say the biggest thing is I, I didn't, I didn't even want to know him beforehand. Right. Like I didn't want that. I wanted to just get out of church. I wanted to do the class to get out of church and be done with it to now I want to know anything and everything I can so that and my whole story, too, is why I became a teacher. Like, I became a teacher so no other kid would have, like, would no, no other kid would ever think that there wasn't at least one teacher in the building that was there for them, mm-hmm. right? No matter what they were going through, I want to be that teacher for my kids. Now, how's Price played in all of this? Price takes that desire I have to want to be that safe teacher, that, that person for these kids, and what Christ has done is now... I want to know everything I can. I want my relationship to be right with God so that I can be telling other kids about who Jesus is. And it's got to be in trouble at school, to be quite frank. There's been a time or two that I've gotten called out for sharing my faith a little too much because I teach in a public school. Um, and I, and I, I, there are times that I need to toe the line maybe a little bit better. But at the same point, like I'm, I don't want to be ashamed of my faith and I'm going mm-hmm. to share who Jesus is in my life if the kids ask me and in all honesty I've done it within the law I haven't ever crossed over but I've been close enough to the to that line where administrators who aren't Christians have have called me on it at mm-hmm. times um and not to the point where I've ever gotten in trouble because of like you're you're right on that line you need to be very careful you could offend someone you're kind of offending me um but like, I want my kids to know about Christ. And so like, when I know that I have a youth group kid who knows who, who Jesus is, I will try and encourage them so much to bring other kids along with them. Mm. Um, because I want that opportunity at church to be able to tell them who Jesus is. And that's the, that's the biggest thing, Rachel, is I want my students, I want my youth group kids, I want everyone to know that love that Jesus has because mm. there's nothing doesn't matter what your background is. doesn't matter who you are. Jesus loves you. Mm-hmm. Jesus loves you. But he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't say, yes, you can do everything. What he says is, come and deny yourself. Mm-hmm. Come deny yourself. Come and lay it down. Lay those burdens down and let me pick them up. Let me carry them. Let me deal with them. And you just come and follow me. 
So whatever that is that we're struggling with, he wants us to lay it down with him, and then he wants to take that. He wants to lift that struggle off of us, and he wants us to follow him. And that's what I want my kids to know. And so that's what's different is at one point I didn't even want to know that, and now I want all of my youth group students and all my kids and all my, like, real students yeah. to find a way to know that. That's amazing. Amazing. It's amazing, too. I really appreciate you being so vulnerable with your story and sharing some of the hard things that you've gone through. I think it's really cool how um, the times when you you didn't want to be here anymore and you had planned to take action with that, that God protected you. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that the there was the answering machine message and... Um, from your youth pastor, you know, who you were able to open up to and he was able to respond in like such a loving, compassionate way so that you knew that God loves you. Like, and that it's, you know, it's not your fault. And like, that's not something that you should be like made fun of for. And when you were going to the garage and the garage code had not changed, but for whatever reason didn't work that day, like God has been protecting you this whole time. And it's amazing. Like, you know, it's amazing. And the, and the first, my favorite verse, First Timothy four twelve, and it's my favorite verse because I want to empower my students to realize, especially by ones who already know who Christ is. I want to empower them to realize that they can be those leaders, that they can be not only making a difference in their peers, but they have the power to make a difference for adults too. Mm. And I think that is the amazing thing of that that passage where Paul writes to Timothy and says, "Don't let people look down on you because of your youth." Be that example. Be that role model. And I want my kids to follow that those footsteps. Awesome. And God's and God's put me. God's blessed me in an amazing situation where I get to do youth ministries with families and kids that I've taught, and I love it. It's the best blessing ever, and I I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. You definitely make a huge impact, and like I know that you inspire those kids, and you share His love with them, and it's amazing. He's using you in some really cool ways. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's awesome. It's it's a it's such a cool blessing mm-hmm. to be able to do that. It really is. Um, I have one more question for you. Mm-hmm. What would you? What would you tell someone who is on the fence about Jesus, who's not so sure if that? Like, either maybe they don't want to believe in him or they're not sure if they should trust him or, yeah, what, what would you say to someone who's on the fence about Jesus? Give it a legit shot. Um, about to get busy-eyed because one of my former students who I care about so much and the last three years has been that story with this kid. And I've had you and Drew praying for him. Um, so many times over the past couple of years and he, we, there's this camp that we go to and he ended up going on this camp and after the camp, I asked him, I said, where, where are you at with this? Have you ever thought about being baptized? Where are you at? Because I didn't know at the time where he was at. And he's, he told me, he goes, I have so many doubts. I just am not sure if I believe in all of this and myself and then this, another youth leader the two of us kind of tag teamed because we both had a really strong rapport with this kid, right? And he just got baptized about a month ago or so. Maybe not even a month ago at this point. 
Um, but for three years, getting to see this growth in him, doing devotionals on the Bible app, talking very openly and very bluntly, and him being so vulnerable and honest with where he really was, and just getting to, to see that. And this is a kid I taught in, I taught in school, I had in youth group, and I got to see that that growth out of him and it was so amazing and so cool and he was willing to give it a shot he was willing to to open up he was willing to open up his brain open up his heart to what truth is and he didn't ever say no to doing a devotional he didn't ever say no to reading a book of the bible with one of us he never said no to like going to church or going to youth group or any of that and slowly it took a couple years, but truth got to him. And I remember, <laughs> I'll never forget, I asked him coming back from camp this year. I said, so where are you at? I, we haven't had a chance to talk end of the school year and all of that. We haven't had a chance to talk. And he goes, oh, I accepted Christ in my heart a while ago. You just didn't ask. I was like, you little booger. <laughs> but so, because he didn't like, tell you? He didn't tell anyone. <laughs> None of us do. Like he didn't tell. He was he was just like I. I didn't know I had. I didn't know I should tell. He was like you didn't ask. I, I was like I've been asking for three years. Like you didn't think I wanted to know all of a sudden? Come on. Uh-huh. So, but that's what I. That's what I say to someone. Like, give it that honest, open shot, and and like find someone that you know and trust that's willing to walk life with you, because. Rachel, like, I know you. I know you walk life with people. I know Drew walks life with people. I know I walk life with people. I honestly can't think of a Christian that I know of that if you said, I'm not sure where I am with this. I don't know. I don't think I know a single Christian that wouldn't legitimately say, let's do this together. Mm. Let's find, let's walk through this. Let's talk this out together. I'll be there for the ups. I'll be there for the downs. Like, I'll walk with you through this because that's what we do because we're all a family under Christ. And that's why, that's that's my advice. That's why I tell someone, find that friend that you know is a Christian. Ask them to walk life with you. Ask them to, to share your doubts, be vulnerable, be open and honest with them with where you really are and come with an open heart to hear about who Jesus is and how he changes everything. Mm. So yeah, that's my, that's what I'd say. <laughs> that's good I like that yeah Rosie I just want to say thank you again for being on the podcast today and really like it's hard to share hard things that we've gone through and you being vulnerable like that and sharing um, parts of your story I think is liberating for some people maybe who have gone through similar things and feel like they're alone or they feel like it's their fault or they feel like it'd be better if they weren't here and so it's inspiring to hear where you like those hard things that you went through and being reminded how loved you are and protected you are, just like those listening maybe who have gone through similar things, like they can know that they are loved and they are protected and they are cared for no matter what has happened to them, no matter how they feel about their existence, like you have a purpose and you are loved. And so I want to thank you for being strong and bold and sharing what you've gone through to encourage others and yeah, and sharing like all the ways that God's worked in your life and how how far he's brought you. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Life is Hard, God is Good podcast. Please rate and write reviews to help other people find the podcast too. 
You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram if you're interested in hearing more updates and receiving more encouragement and Christian community throughout the week. Coming up, we have some more episodes with impactful stories of transformation, so stay tuned. Thanks again for listening. Have a great week. May the Lord bless you and keep you.